Hello and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I will be your host and I am joined once again back from Disneyland, Mark LaRocco. Yes, please. Thank you. We, we got back from <laughs> Disneyland. We did a surprise trip for the kids. Uh, we let them know on Friday and left on Saturday right after Thanksgiving. And it was fun. It was it was nice. very, very expensive, fun. Um, <laughs> the rides are even, I feel like they're even more movie themed than they ever were before. Like some of the more generic rides that used to be just like Haunted Mansion or whatever. You know, now it's Nightmare Before Christmas. And yeah. it's hard to find a ride that isn't associated with an IP, you know, of... That that's like a movie franchise or like a well, and that's that's probably movie. why, right? Yeah, yeah. is because they have all the rights to these things and they feel obligated to use them. Mm-hmm. I don't even know it's an obligation. I mean, it's if you have the rights to it, then you would clearly make more money by attaching that than something generic that nobody's heard of. Yeah, it makes sense, and and I I enjoyed it. We we had a great time. We did two days in Disneyland and one day in California Adventure. And we staggered it so that we could recover because it's long days, like early morning, late night. I'm sure. With our five kids. So we had our Tuesday and Thursday kind of off days for beach and just kind of hanging around the hotel. Um, and uh, it was it was really fun. Um, favorite ride is Rise of the Resistance, the new Star Wars okay. ride. Okay. Yeah. So did you get into the – because there's a Star Wars – land mm-hmm. right like i'm not even sure what it's called it's called galaxy's edge and it's, that's right it's an I amazing i mean it is just walking around and <laughs> like it's a it's a production it's very yeah. immersive i mean you feel like you're on some distant planet that has star wars characters and a little store and cantina and we ate in the restaurant there called the the docking bay um and then they've got the two main rides there. There's one called Smuggler's Run, Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run. And there's a big Millennium Falcon there you can take pictures by. I mean, wow. it, it, it's pretty amazing. And and then um, on Friday when we went to California Adventure, there's an entire Cars Land that is like a, a life-size, I mean, recreation of the main street of Radiator Springs with all the stores okay. and everything that you can go in. Uh, I was I was really impressed. I was way more impressed with that than I thought I would be, because you know how like so you're so you're you're telling me that Disney is making good use of my Disney Plus subscription money. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It was it was it was it was pretty astounding. Because um, they they raised the prices. They did. <laughs> or they we were, were lucky because we yeah. bought our tickets four months ago, and they raised the prices about two months ago, another eight oh. eight or nine percent. I mean, it's wow. it's very expensive. It's like it's something we plan on doing every four or five years. But I know people who yeah. go every year. You know, it's, yeah. it's just a lot. But it was fun, and it was kind of a cool surprise for the kids. On the Saturday that we were leaving, I wanted to go to the Motion Picture Museum. Um, and I was too dumb because you have to reserve tickets in advance. You can't go the day of. Uh, Even though it's free for kids, you have to reserve their tickets. The adult okay. tickets are 25 each. It opens at 10. It was only about 40 minutes from where we were in Anaheim. And and we just, we couldn't go. So I'm like already planning, like next time I go, we're going to do Universal Studios. We'll probably not go to Disneyland, but probably do Universal Studios and then go to um, go to the Motion Picture Museum. Because you can just apparently do it in just a few hours and get a lot out of it. Um, I went to, so I, I have not been to Disneyland since I was a teenager. Same and with on me. on the same trip. Until was last it? week. 
Yeah, and and on the same trip, I also went to Universal Studios, and that's the one that I remember enjoying the most. Oh. Maybe just because it was cool to be on the back lot and see the Back to the Future set, yeah, the Clock Tower. I loved that. it. I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. The ten- so that's and you know, which makes sense if you're if you're a little more of like a movie person, right? Then I think Universal Studios might have more of a draw, at least in some ways. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, for little kids, obviously Disneyland is going to be I- so much better but i still have vivid memories of that and it was the same deal with me i went as a teenager and i remember the parting of the sea from the ten commandments they showed you how they did that the bates motel the yeah i remember the bates motel the clock tower jaws the shark you know all that stuff and um yeah they showed you like the the size of the saloon doors they used for when john wayne came in to make john wayne look more imposing and bigger than he actually was. <laughs> you know, there were just different things they showed you how they do how they do the movie tricks and it was, nice. it was really fun. Cool. Well, uh should we talk some Christmas stuff? Yes. I mean we're we're well into December now. Right. So so we've got some Christmas stuff to share. Um two movies, two new movies that are both genuine Christmas movies to review. And then we've got uh we're gonna do another draft. Hey. We're going to draft the Christmas movies. Let's... So, so you saw what probably I am I am guessing I am assuming is going to be the more appropriate Christmas movie. Yeah. To recommend for our our general audiences. It's a more and that was yeah spirited right spirited yes. It's a more what? It's a more Christmassy uh, Christmas more at least classic Christmas movie probably than the one that you saw. Um, yeah. I, I really like this movie. It's it's an Apple TV movie. And first of all, I think this is the kind of movie that it's sad that it didn't they didn't do a theatrical release. Like it's an Apple original films movie that's released on Apple TV. Um and it's it stars Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. And it's a musical retelling of the short story by Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Um, which is really old now, like eighteen forties. And it's been told many times. It's probably one of the most retold, at least through film, Christmas stories of all time, right? Sure. There, we, we probably know, have each seen several versions of it. And this is all original music um, by uh, Benji Pasek and Justin Paul, uh, who did La La Land and The Greatest Showman. Okay. Um, and it's really catchy tunes. I, I like that a lot. I think that... Anyway, as I was saying, so yeah, so who plays what? If it so, it's it's Christmas Carol. Yeah, it's Christmas Carol. Will Ferrell plays the ghost of Christmas present, and okay. Ryan Reynolds is the, you know, the Scrooge stand-in. Okay, you know, the selfish, um, sort of fixer, corporate uh, exec guy that that, um, because corporations are evil. Corporations are evil, and. He, They're he, faceless evil. He knows how to bad sell guys. anything to anyone, and he knows how to make good people look bad. And um, you know, he he's sort of a broadly drawn character at first, but um, he comes out with a great number at the beginning. And I've never even I don't remember, I even remember seeing him sing before. And there's a lot of singing and dancing in this, and a lot like it's not just like for example one character singing a song. Suddenly they're surrounded by lots and lots of people, and there's kind of like a running joke about that in the movie that. Well, the afterlife is a musical, you know, because the the thing that I like about this is the point of view. This is different from basically all the other versions of Christmas Carol that I know of, 
because it's more of the point of view from the ghosts, like the behind the scenes okay. of how they all they run their operation, how they choose their next target, their next perp or the the person they want to redeem, you know, and um and then it becomes a very meta commentary even on a a Christmas Carol itself. Like these people in the movie, they've seen all the Christmas movies. They've seen, you know, how I have this thing. I don't remember we talked about this last year, but. There's this weird sort of trend where all these modern cl Christmas classic movies refer to older Christmas movies. Or, or the people mm -hmm. in the new movies have seen the older movies and sometimes even talk about them. You know, and like, for example, in Home Alone, they're watching It's a Wonderful Life. And in, in this movie, and it has Will Ferrell, there's a very obvious reference to Elf. And, oh, is you know, there? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's... Okay. Um, Apparently, I didn't know this was a thing, but there are Christmas costume parties. So I'll just leave it at that. But um, okay. anyway, I, it's got a lot of clever, quick jokes in it. And, and, and mainly it's the dialogue between Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. And, and sorry, let me kind of just set it up a little bit more. So they're choosing Will Ferrell is the ghost of Christmas present. And he can retire and basically live on Earth as a mortal. And he's kind of on the verge of deciding whether to retire. And then he wants to choose um, a, a, their next target to be someone who they, they deem an unredeemable. Someone who is like, well, this person just cannot be redeemed. This person is too far gone. And it's, you know, it's Ryan sure. Reynolds. Sure. And so he, he has a boss there who is Marley. Um, and he uh, and and they basically kind of reluctantly approve, you know, choosing this this target, um, but think it's not it just can't be done because he's unredeemable. And there there are songs about that, like whether a person is really unredeemable. Um, and the ghost of Christmas Past is hilarious. It's it's a girl played by Sunita Mani who is um, basically just has a crush on Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> and and then the ghost of Christmas Future is voiced by Tracy Morgan. And, the, and oh, the joke is, too, that he just points. And you remember from the other movies, he kind of doesn't speak. He just kind of points right. ominously at something, you know, uh -huh. for, the, for, for Scrooge to look at. And, and um, his pointing is just really scary. And um, it's, kind of, it's almost one of these, like, I don't want to say joke-a-minute movies, but it's got a lot of fast, snappy dialogue and almost the kind of jokes that are like you would see in like Robin Williams movies where you feel like, well, that's a good, almost, um, uh, improvised joke, but it, you know, I'm sure it was in the script, but like just little things that they throw in with each other. Well, I don't know. I mean, Will Ferrell is pretty, he's pretty funny. Well known for improvising. Well, not, not just funny, but I mean, that's kind of his reputation. Yeah. He does a lot of improvisation on set. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, if some of that content was it, there may be on some the spot. And, um, you know, they, uh, but it's, it's very modernized and I, I, and it's very meta. And I think I mentioned that, you know, you have a lot of these jokes mm -hmm. where they, they've seen, they, they kind of know what's going on. Sometimes they care, somebody will start singing a song and another person will try to get them to stop, you know, like don't sing and, and you know, and well, it's a musical and you hear the music and, um, uh, but, but ultimately it's quite touching. And it's not a joke. It's not doesn't like end on sort of some cheap throwaway or something that's like, here's another funny gag, you know, I mean, it's, it, it has some very poignant moments. And I have this kind of weird, like, this is, this could be a Christmas classic, 
Like, it really could. Like, and I don't think it's one of the all-time greatest Christmas movies of all time, but, but it, like, if it had a theatrical release, and it may get it anyway with all the millions of Apple TV subscribers, but I think if this were just solely released in theaters, and this, and, like, let's say we're at 2017 instead of 2022 or whatever, I think it would be a huge hit. Like, it's the kind of word-of-mouth movie that people would tell their friends about, people would go see it. Um, I know a bunch of people who have already watched it multiple times. You know, it's only been out three weeks or something like that. And um, I've seen it. I mean, I, my wife's watched it a few times already, so I've kind of watched it oh, wow. a little bit extra, more than once, probably one and a half times, you know, when it's been on. Because, you know, songs are pretty catchy. Um, they're they're So, yeah, I, I recommend it. I definitely It sounds do. like it. Um, it sounds like a pretty strong recommendation. It's a pretty strong recommendation. Yeah, I, I'm... It's just a, it's a very good, you know, feel good movie. I mean, the only caveat I have for it, I would say is some of the jokes are so meta, you know, there's probably certain things that people won't quite get, you know, if they're yeah. not really pop culture familiar or familiar with lots of other movies. And then also it's definitely PG 13. So it's not okay. exactly a family movie. And sometimes that's a little misleading when you have a movie that's a musical. Sometimes people always assume they're family movies, Sure, you know, but greatest showman was, was a, basically a PG movie, I believe, that was by the same, at least by the same musical uh, forces behind this one, but like La La Land was PG-13, and and it has a lots of like very close to coarse language swearing. Um, okay. But then, you know, and, and jokes that are, you know, kind of sexual jokes, but, you know, like PG-13, not like over the line. Right, right. Um, but then, um, well, yeah, there's, I, I just realized... I don't. There's certain things that that would be a good, almost like spoiler discussion talk. Uh, but yeah, I, I think people should go see it, and uh, um, I want you to see it, and maybe give your feedback <laughs> at another time. Well, I will tell. I will tell you, Mark. I was with you right up until you said musical. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll we'll put a big maybe on that one. Okay. Yeah. I. Uh, no, because it, it sounds – I really like Will Ferrell. I really like Ryan Reynolds. Um, it sounds like kind of a fun concept, so it definitely seems like it has potential. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't I don't hate all musicals, um, so I can't completely arbitrarily rule it out. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, either way, it might take a while because I've been uh, swamping myself recently in an a, uh, effort to prepare for the – the annual critics association vote i've been cranking through a bunch of uh award hopeful movies and uh so that's that's probably the biggest reason i didn't get to see spirited before our discussion today mm. but it sounds like you covered it quite well um i was able to work in a christmas movie that has no ambiguity at all as to whether it's family appropriate it is not <laughs> um so so we can we can move on to uh uh violent night is the one that i saw and just yeah it, it's it's exactly what it says um but i see that because this has been it's been out for about a week now um so i saw it i saw it last week and the concept is really funny and creative, which is part of the reason I decided to go see it. I, I kind of went in with with some not high hopes, but just hopes that this would be something that would be campy and fun and a little bit crazy. 
And I would say I got about two-thirds to three-quarters of that. Um, so Violent Night is basically Die Hard with the real Santa Claus substituted for Bruce Willis's John McClane character. Hmm. That's basically it. Like, it's it's Santa Claus is in the process of visiting a home while the home is invaded by bad guys. And it's a very big, it's, a, it's an estate more than a home. It's a, This is some kind of uh, rich power mover. I think they might have connections to oil companies or something like this. And so... So it's it's really kind of trying to be a commentary on a number of different things, and and so so David Harbor from uh, Stranger Things plays Santa Claus, and it's it's actually he's not he's not a guy who works as Santa Claus. He is actually Santa Claus. Like there is a magic element to this movie that makes it even more bizarre, mm. and he is visiting this home out on this kind of this regal estate, and the family is has gathered, and there's all kinds of dysfunction because power corrupts and money and all this kind of thing. And and so while he is there, he gets trapped along with the rest of the family when some, some bad guys who want to get the money from the rich people storm the house and take everybody hostage. So like I say, it's basically the same premise mm-hmm. as Die Hard, except it's with Santa Claus. And so the idea is fun. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's really off the wall. Um, David Harbour is great. Like if you enjoy him in Stranger Things, he's he's basically his same, you know, this is this is the same guy. This is the same character. And uh, he is he teams up. I mean, he even has kind of the equivalent of the the police officer sidekick in Die Hard, except in this time, in this case, is a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Trudy is the character's name. Leah Brady plays her. And she kind of like her side of the plot kind of turns into home alone so oh. it's it's kind of a mashup of home alone and die hard and i think it actually the marketing actually presents it this way and suggests as much oh um God. so it is kind of it's not explicit but it is meta in the sense that it's very consciously evoking kind of these pop culture celebrated Christmas or Christmas adjacent movies. Mm. And it is definitely very R rated. Um, it almost sounds not, a little like scream maybe. Um, about, like, well, that's about so horror movies. because scream, well, because in scream, they actually talked about horror movies. Oh, okay. They don't talk about Christmas movies in this oh, one. Okay. It's just very obvious that they're creating a scenario where Santa is John McClane and Trudy is Kevin. Uh, what's the last name? Yeah. What's the last name? Uh, I don't. I was going to say Kevin Arnold, and that's not. That's a. I don't remember. That's Wonder Years. <laughs> Kevin McAllister. Oh yeah, yeah. Kevin McAllister. Yeah. So, so so they don't talk about Die Hard or Home Alone. No. Okay. No. It's it's not like like you say it's it's not meta in the sense that they're actually you know, explicitly referencing things. It's just very obvious to the audience that that's what they're going for. Mm-hmm. Um, John Leguizamo plays the head of the the bad guys. He's kind of the Scrooge-ish type character. Um, Beverly D'Angelo, um, so, so referencing another movie, because she was Christmas from uh, Christmas Vacation. Yeah. She plays kind of the matriarch of the family um, and is completely unlikable. I, I would say that's one of the, the, the shortcomings of the movie is that they they deliberately make pretty much everybody but Trudy and her mom 
very, very unlikable because they're trying to criticize kind of the commercial side of not just Christmas, but just kind of greed and, and the, the, the downside of human nature. And so you don't really sympathize with the people who are hostages and the people like the, the John Leguizamo bad guy crew isn't all that likable either. And so it definitely could have been better. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty over the top and, and there's definitely, there's, there's a lot of violence, but if you pay attention to it, it's the kind of violence where they're really going over the top with sound effects, but then having the actual violence happen in shadows or quick cuts. Mm. So it's definitely an R rated film, but there is not nearly as much gore as you might expect. Um, which probably won't make a difference for most people because it's still, you know, yeah. this this is definitely a, you know, not a gather the family around the uh, the television for some for some Christmas cheer. Um, I kind of wish it was weirder. I kind of wish that they had gone all out a little bit more. Okay. Um, there were th- this. This is the kind of movie that that feels like it has the great potential to just be completely bonkers off the wall crazy. And like I say, I feel like they went about 75% of the way. Hmm. Um, the director, as I recall, uh, he was the same guy who did a movie called Dead Snow a while back. Oh, my god! I don't know if you've heard of that. Yes. Yeah. The uh, Nazi Tommy, zombie uh, Tommy movie. Tommy yeah. Yes. The Nazi zombie movie. <laughs> and so that one, for sure, is just kind of in the weird yeah. department. And, and so this evokes that for sure. But, yeah, altogether, it's... I mean, if I had to give it a star rating, I would land it somewhere in the two and a half to three range because it's the kind of thing that's just kind of dumb. You could almost call it escapist fun, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, I don't know if that's if escapist is the most accurate way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, it did leaving me leave me wishing that it was a little bit better, that it was a little bit more more over the top. That's funny. Um, it 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 tries to be. It tries to be conventional in a way that I don't think serves it very well. Um, but then you have to give it credit because instead of have, like, it seems to me like a really obvious move for most, you know, for, for most filmmakers or writers would have been to have David O'Hara playing a down on his luck, like mall Santa Claus who gets into the situation. Mm-hmm. But having it be the real Santa Claus gives the movie a real strange element that makes it much more worthwhile. Just not as good as I hoped. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I I really don't love the combination of like Christmas and violence. And I, I've seen a plenty <laughs> of violent movies. I really have. I've seen my share. But like, I love. Do the I need innocence. to clarify that I don't either? <laughs> well, I mean. I mean, it might be a good, <laughs> funny, interesting movie, and maybe even just for me. I know this doesn't make sense, but if it were like another non-Christmas character, another holiday, but yeah. like that, you know, when a, when somebody like needs to be redeemed or has to like find their innocence or find their childhood, you know, they're an old cynic, but then they become younger through through the yeah. plot devices of a Christmas movie. I mean, I kind of like some of that stuff, but like. It's funny. Yeah, I've never really found, I've never really enjoyed any of the, I mean, I like Die Hard, but, you know, you and I have talked about this before. It's just yeah. not 
really a Christmas well, movie for me. But at, but at the but, same time, and and to kind of to riff off what you're saying, yeah. The Die Hard is not celebrated because it has crazy, gory violence. Right. It's an action movie set in a Christmas context, mm-hmm. right? And so when I find myself wishing that Violent Night was more over the top, it's not in terms of I wish this was more gory, I wish that there were more, you know, there was more blood splattering, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. It's that when you have the notion of Santa Claus fighting home invaders that just seems to me to be an opportunity to be so crazy and weird and just Mm. you know off the wall not in a you know graphic violence sense so much as just what a bizarre idea that seems like if you just totally go over the top with it instead of trying to make it because they still try to root it it realistic in a way right a little too much yeah yeah, it's almost like, like I guess that's what be a, like a Sam Raimi like Evil Dead Army of Darkness type of movie. Yeah, maybe. that's a good way to put it. Can that's a good here. way to put it. Yeah, because because since it's Santa Claus, it's there's an element of fantasy that is there, but feels like it should have been dialed up to eleven, you know, eleven or something <laughs> like that, yeah. right? So so yeah, I mean just just. Just in case anybody thinks that I'm I'm arguing that Violent Night didn't have an, enough violence, and that because I mean one movie that I thought of which I have not seen but is rather infamous. In fact, uh, it's it's very uh, appropriate as a subject for the Utah Film Pod. Uh-huh. Uh, there was there was a movie that came out when we were kids. I don't know if you remember hearing about this called Silent Night Deadly Night, I've heard and of I it. believe it was actually filmed in Utah. But it was oh. it was a Santa Claus slasher flick okay and there was nothing from from what i could tell there was nothing funny about it um one of the more interesting uh, side notes though is that my my drama teacher in at the university of utah did play a featured role in the movie um oh. i think he was one of the victims of the santa claus killer uh but no I, I i have vague memories as a kid of this being just the kind of like this being this this modest uproar because it was this you know horrible slasher movie masquerading in kind of a, a Christmas costume yeah. and it had local connections which just seemed to make it worse um, Violent Night is is not nearly that that offensive um, but it could have been crazier so oh my gosh I just looked up Silent Night Deadly Night it's a 1984 film yeah. filmed in Heber yeah. and Midway uh, right and it was so I would have gotten that without even knowing in the 1984 draft I got that movie. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Bonus, huh? Yeah. Well, speaking of drafts, should we uh, should we move on, or did you, yes. do you have any more insightful and deep and probing questions about Violent Night that you would like to send my way? No, I think I've heard enough. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sounds good. Um, no, I maybe maybe to maybe to kind of cap it off. I was hoping that Violent Night might be more like Krampus. Mm-hmm. I thought and it wasn't quite. That. Yeah, I I, I would, It was not as much Krampus as I would have liked. Yeah. So and Krampus sounded anyway. a little funnier too. Anyway, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so so speaking of other Christmas movies, um, we have decided to bring back the the draft format after what a long two weeks was the last time we did did the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, instead of Steven Spielberg movies, we're going to go through and we're going to to draft our favorite Christmas movies. And 
we were trying to decide since uh, our last last couple of of episodes have been pretty lengthy, and so maybe maybe in an effort to be a little more conservative, we thought we're, what we're going to do is so we're, we're drafting separately, but together we are putting together the Utah Film Pod's Twelve Days of Christmas, and so we're going to take turns. We're going to each choose six Christmas movies for a total of twelve, and anybody who watches all 12 of these movies between now and the holiday is just special that's right and and good for you and and you will be filled with christmas cheer um so since you went first last time i think you you said that i should go first this time around um so i think i don't know are there any are there any parameters or rules that we need to put out there anything that you would like to suggest i mean i think probably I don't. I mean, I don't, if we're just drafting from a pool of what we say are our favorite Christmas movies, and right. I, I guess there could be a controversy about whether or not something is a Christmas movie. But I'm not gonna. Right. Right. Because we have, we probably have movies that we want that are our favorites. I wouldn't begrudge you if you picked one that I didn't consider a Christmas movie because that means it wasn't on my potential sure. pool of candidates anyway. So that makes sense. Yeah, I think we're we're good to go. And then, well, the only the only thing that I would have that I was thinking about, and and this seems to be a general rule we should probably apply anytime we do one of these drafts, is do we should probably now, obviously, if we're referencing our favorites, this doesn't apply. But if we are drafting, that seems like we might be being strategic, right? Like Mm -hmm. choosing strategically, and in which case, should we limit ourselves to movies? that we've seen oh yeah like if there's a I, feeling like oh a well i haven't seen well and i wouldn't plan to either yeah but it seems like oh well if you get just like last time when we did the the spielberg one and we had uh, uh saving private ryan and i chose schindler's list now I, of course in this case i had seen both movies but schindler's list was chosen almost to be kind of a foil mm-hmm. for saving private ryan and so like if that happened because there are, I mean, honestly, I think one of the things I'm getting at here is that there are a number of what people would consider classic Christmas movies that I have not seen. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if we go kind of way back, I'm not going to have a whole lot to choose from. And so it's going to be interesting to see what we actually go for in this one. Yeah. Because my my potential list seems a lot shallower than when we did the Spielberg movies. Yeah, my, mine does too, which is funny because you actually have a finite pool of movies to choose from with the Spielberg-directed movies, although you did add the part of the Twilight Zone. Um, or, I mean, the uh, Poltergeist, oh, Poltergeist movie. Yeah, right. Which technically wasn't directed by him, but maybe he ghost-directed it. But right. I, um, But in this case, I mean, there are probably hundreds of Christmas movies. And oh, yeah. And, of course, then there are the fringe ones that, you know, a small percentage of people would claim that is a, a Christmas movie. So, yeah, uh-huh. I'm curious to see where we go, too. I mean, I I just have I have a pretty short list, you know, of 11 or 12 movies. Right. But if I needed to, I could come up with a couple more. But since I have that number, it should, you know, fit. But I think we'll be okay. You will be fine. But you'll be going first. All right. So. Yeah, let's let's get on with it. Okay, so I, I have the first pick of this draft, and I'm going to go with one that may very well be my all-time favorite Christmas movie. There's, I don't know, 
one that might be my favorite favorite but I don't think it's one that you'll choose and so I'm not worried I'm gonna take the risk of not choosing it right away um, but one that I do think is gonna be a little bit more popular between certainly our generation okay and and given given my my expanding collection of memorabilia from this movie I would feel colossally stupid if I did not have it on my on my team okay <laughs> so I am gonna go with a Christmas story uh, from early 1980s, this is Ralphie and the, you know, the Red Rider gun and the bunny outfit and the old man and the Bumpus Hounds and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one, I don't remember seeing it as much as a kid when it actually came. Because it was, what was it, like 1982, somewhere around yeah, there when it came out. 83. Yeah. And yet... Like 20 years later, it seemed like it just kind of took off and became one of those movies that just gets marathoned on cable. Mm-hmm. And 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 it feels, even though it's set in the 1930s, I mean, if, if anybody has not actually seen this, really quick setup, it is, you know, it, it focuses on this kid who's about, you know, 10 years old. And his dream is to, to have this Red Rider BB gun. But everybody, all the authority figures in his life won't, you know, consider it because they say he's going to shoot his eye out. And so it's the story of his Christmas. It's set in the 1930s in, I believe, kind of Cleveland, certain kind of Midwest area. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very long time ago, but it's become very, very iconic. Um, just, you know, really kind of for our generation, because it seems like it's really taken off in popularity. So anyway, yeah. uh, Christmas Story is going to be my number one choice. And uh, I guess I can sleep at night now. You can, Yeah. <laughs> Dreaming about shooting your Red Rider BB gun. That's um, right. That's right. Yeah, that's a cla- that's it's just such a great classic movie. I mean, it feels like a timeless movie, which is kind of interesting because it's an early '80s movie depicting the '40s, I believe. Is it the '50s? Yeah. So, but well, so funny enough, it is. It's set in the '30s. Oh, in the '30s. And it's okay. it's it's an adaptation of a book by the the same guy who narrates the movie. Gene Shepard is yeah. also the the author of the book and i'm in the process of reading the book right now okay and it's not like it's told in vignettes Mm -hmm. and one of the very first vignettes is the red rider bb gun story and so a lot of the things that happen in the movie around christmas time are told separately in the book that and and just different times of the year then they just are kind of collected together under this one umbrella for the movie but uh but yeah like it's it's the 30s um it's it's being reflected on from the 1950s. That's the voice in the in the book. But mm-hmm. you know, worth worth checking out if you would like to uh, see the origins Good. of uh, "You'll Shoot Your Eye Out." Great pick. It's it's so funny. The narration is great. I love Gene Shepard's narration, and it's yeah. just a movie full of classic lines. You know, you can yeah. quote a line and somebody will know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I yeah I I like that movie a lot too. You'll, nice. shoot, you'll shoot your eye out. It's probably the, the number one well-known line from that movie, I'd say. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's such. A, I, I also like that it's like from the point of view of a child. I know he's retelling it as an adult. He's telling about mm-hmm. this childhood Christmas time story, but it's so good at just what do kids go through, like with wanting, with, like you can't wait till Christmas and you have to talk to Santa at the mall and you get bullied at school and it's all from this point of view of this uh, Peter Billingsley's. Ralphie 
Um, okay, well, that was a great pick because that was actually my number two. So I'll just go ahead and pick okay. my number one, which is great. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. Um, this is the this is the uh, kind of a family favorite, one of my dad's all time favorite movies, and so he kind of introduced it to me. And uh, because it lost the copyright in, I believe, in the seventies, it can just be endlessly replayed by anybody. Um, and and that actually gave it life um, because even though okay. it was a popular movie when it came out, it wasn't really considered a classic at the time. Um, and when they've interviewed the stars of it later, they've said they've all had a wonderful experience making it. And it was like they're one of the highlights of their careers, like Donna Kerr and Jimmy Stewart. And um, and it's just, you know, it's it's a it's a like we said, you know, as 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 many of the classic Christmas movies where, you know, you you have to reform a Grinch or redeem an unredeemable or, uh -huh. you know, a redemption story about somebody who's. Um, doesn't realize how the value of their own life and what they mean to so many other people and uh, the ripple effects their lives can have on other people and ripple is all, is also a song from spirited I don't know if that's what it's called but there's a song about ripple effects <laughs> but anyway my point is Jimmy Stewart is he's a good guy um, but uh, he has a series of uh, uh, George Bailey is his name in the movie of sort of misfortunes that happened to him that actually lead him to on the verge of consider of suicide of considering suicide mm. and um and then he well he he doesn't jump he actually does jump in to save somebody who um is turns out to be a guardian angel um sort of like the ghosts of christmas all these different christmas times sent to help him and help him discover the value of his life and it's just told so lovingly and and it ha and you know he's able to see like flashbacks and see how the town would be or how life would be like uh, without him, and and uh, and then it kind of leads him to understand like the value of, of his life and and what he means to other people and um, and I mean it's just it's a movie that like you know brings me to tears and and you don't you just I don't think you see a lot of movies these days that can probably still have that effect. On people even though they're 60 or 70 years old I guess it's almost seven no it's almost 80 years old now um, you know and and I think that's it's just the rare type of movie that can that can do that and Frank Capra was a great director he directed All a right. lot of great films one but one several Oscars um, and this one I think it's his best movie um, and you know Christmas classic. I mean, there are probably some people that do watch it every year, and I, I don't. I probably should, but uh, I really like it. So, well, it's interesting. I mean, it. Well, it's one hundred percent understandable that you would choose this one, but I also think it's interesting in that when I mentioned before that Christmas Story is one of the movies that just became one of those repeated constantly on cable movies. It's a Wonderful Life was the first one mm -hmm. that had was just in eternal circulation, right? And, yeah. and perhaps because of the copyright thing that you mentioned. Um, no, and this and this is also a perfect reason for the caveat I made at the beginning, which was that we had to choose movies that we had seen because that's really the only old how how would I put it? Like when I think about the old pre nineteen fifties classic Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. I think it's a wonderful life is the only one I've seen. Um, you and I were both, if, if I can say this, the, the two of us were talking before we started recording 
and mentioned that I don't think either one of us have seen Miracle on 34th Street. Right. Now, I've seen the end of it. I remember seeing that scene because it's a With you know, the the famous. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you know the idea, right? And you ba- yeah. and you know what it's about. But I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched that entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and there and there are others that I won't I won't spoil just in case you choose and we talk about them. But but I don't feel like I have an equivalent to It's a Wonderful Life because that is the definitive classic, you know, older, but just like you say, so sincere, so heartwarming, just a very, very powerful and emotional and moving movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so I'm... It's, yeah, it's life-affirming. It's really a good message. Um, It's funny you mentioned uh, Miracle on 34th Street because I think we probably both know the ending. I've seen it parodied before, and I've even seen, and speaking of It's a Wonderful Life, I've seen a parody alternate ending of it from Saturday Night oh, Live yeah. that's hilarious, where the townspeople okay. go hunt down and kill him. <laughs> they want to kill Mr. Potter for what he did. Oh, <laughs> like beat him up. <laughs> it's got Dana Carvey and Dennis Miller, and it's it's really good. Um, I think John Lovitz plays Mr. Potter. But but yeah, I mean, obviously the movie ends on a nice, happy, redemptive note um, in It's Wonderful Life, but not... You know anything, anything that happens, Mister Potter that probably should happen to him. Right, um, right. But yeah, I yeah we haven't seen. I guess I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I I can only think of maybe one other movie I've seen that's pre 1950 Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay, so my second choice. I don't know. I I think I'm gonna roll the dice a little bit because because since we're doing this in draft format. There's this part of me that is second guessing. Okay, if I don't take this one early, is Mark going to get it instead? And so, should I prioritize the the competitive choices over uh-huh. the, again, you know, the here are, here are my heart's closest, right. dearest favorites. Hey, I think I know and what that, you're going to go with. <laughs> you know, so well, I'm going to go with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Okay. Was that the one you thought? Um, I thought you were gonna steal Elf from me because I, I think I like. I Elf considered more than you it. Um, I actually wondered if Elf was gonna be your first choice. Oh, okay. I, I was, I was thinking because that, I mean, I love it. Elf too. Elf is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I would absolutely put it on my own list. Yeah. I got the sense that you might favor it a little bit more than me. Yeah. And so. Because I'm such a good, generous person, and because it's Christmas time, I'm not going to steal it from you, though. And I'm going to go with Christmas Vacation. And uh, so, Christmas Vacation. I think what a lot of people have grown to feel is the best of the vacation movies. It was the third one, mm-hmm. uh, about 1989, 1990. Yeah, 89. Chevy Chase is kind of the the you know prototypical Midwestern. Uh, I don't know, almost almost kind of a pre-Homer Simpson in mm-hmm. a, in a way, and you know, whereas their first the first two movies they had gone out on vacation as a family, this time they're staying home for the holidays, and the 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 concept is that all of their extended family is descending on their home and creating chaos, and and he's you know uh, he's he's trying to put too many lights on the house, and he's you know putting some kind of bizarre chemical on the bottom of his sled, which, you know, leads to funny. It's, it's, it's really just an, ep, not an episodic, but uh, it's a, it's a series of funny vignettes meant to kind of have fun with all of the different foibles mm-hmm. of, of Christmas in the season. And, uh, and 
as much as I like Chevy Chase in this, I think the character who steals the show for most people is is Cousin Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so he 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 shows up in his in his RV with his wife and kids and their dog Snot. And uh, uh, Ra- Randy Quaid plays Cousin yeah. Eddie, and he he first shows up in the in the first vacation movie. It was pretty funny, but this this one he absolutely just kind of steals the show for being just this, you know, the relative that you don't want to acknowledge you're related to. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. Probably, I either, I either can't spoil it or. We can't say it. We talk. We can't talk about it on the podcast without getting a little, a little more PG thirteen than usual because it's a PG thirteen movie. Um, it's it's probably a little more racy than most PG 13s but it's also a lot less racy than the other vacation movies, which are rated R. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the placement. Um, but just another, just like Christmas Story. It's one of the movies that just has a lot of memorable one-liners, a lot of memorable little vignettes and situations and characters. And uh, for that reason, I thought uh, I'd, I'd roll the dice and see if I'd get that one as well. So yeah. maybe I'll maybe I'll find a little more sincere sentiment with choice number three, depending on what you choose. Well, so I actually <laughs> did have that as my next one, Chris's Vacation. Did you really? Yeah, I, was, I think I was trying to psychologically hope you choose another movie besides one of those two to see if I could get them okay. all, but obviously I couldn't. But I, I think it is, it's, Chris, it's funnier to me than L, like it is. But both of those movies on repeat movie, uh, repeat viewing still make me laugh. And I agree. Cousin yeah. Eddie is, Cousin Eddie is one of the funniest characters I've ever seen in any movie, period. Not even just talking about solely Christmas movies, you know, like right. his lines are just <laughs> hilarious. And and his he's it's almost like that guy is that way you know Quaid uh-huh. you know and um so we we quote him in our even even not, during non Christmas seasons Holly and I are quoting cousin Eddie lines you know all the time like I just love like oh a little tree water ain't gonna hurt him Clark you know and it, that's just a real nice surprise and you know my hair ain't gonna look right he just has so many good lines that I just like. I love the way whoever wrote that movie uh, just did it perfectly, but he delivers them perfectly. So yeah, to me, he's the oh, yeah. star, uh, and he doesn't even show up till twenty five minutes into the movie. Or I was gonna say like it's that. it's a ways in. Yeah. It's a ways in because um, it's sort yeah. of a surprise, and, and you know it's not, oh, oh, yeah. not a very good surprise for for Clark Griswold. Um, oh yeah, no, like his his lines, his behavior, his actions he's all have oblivious. a way of just freezing yeah. the other characters. You yeah. know, like. There's, there's no way if, if somebody said that to you in real life, you would just have no response at all because there's uh-huh. just nothing, nothing yeah. to say, to, you know, and, and he's and always, I think that's what's so funny he's, about it. He's always in a good mood, you know, I, uh-huh. like, even though he's kind of ruining other people's lives and seems to have good <laughs> intentions, but yeah, he, I like his character a lot, but yeah, overall it's a, it's a great one. And, and I think I've seen all the vacation movies, but that's the one I've seen many many more times than the others so but let's talk about elf that's yeah 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 so elf is your choice number two then yeah so uh, elf is it's it's a to me it's a modern you know classic it's it's another one of these stories about how the kids in the movie believe in santa but do the adults believe in santa or did they lose their belief in santa at some point and is he real and of course in the movies in the movie world of elf santa is real and 
it's really told from the point of view of a human who has been raised as an elf and then is sort of transported back to the human world to find his real father played by James Caan. Um, and so it's kind of a fish out of water story, you know, like this person raised in elf culture, but he's actually a human and he's just amazed by everything in the human world. And he's an extremely naive character. He's kind of childlike, even though he's a man. Um, and you know, of course he dresses like an elf till he's told not to. And, uh, -huh. uh you know, he eats gum off the, off the railings and loves revolving doors more than anything. And thinks that the, you know, the sign that says it's the world's best cup of coffee is true and congratulates the restaurant owners, you know? So he does a lot yeah. of just funny things. And uh -huh. I've read Will Ferrell interviews about this movie and he's, he's funny. He, he says when they were filming it, he didn't know, he, he didn't know it was going to be received the way it was. And, you know, he's walking around New York city in like green tights, yellow tights. And people are like, what's, what's, what is this? Like, what are they trying to do? And so it's just kind of like, well, we'll get through this, see what happens. Um, and uh, uh, James Kahn gave an interview that saying that he actually wanted them to do sequels. Will Ferrell claims he wasn't really sure. Mm -hmm. He kind of felt like it, 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 he didn't want it to look like a cash grab. And he just he yeah. liked the way it was left, the way it was. But James Kahn was like, hey, they didn't get along. He, he claimed that the director, John Favreau, and Will Ferrell didn't get along. That's why there weren't sequels. And he's like, I wanted to get in a franchise. I want my grandkids to have money. He said something like that. Like, he wanted to be part of a big franchise that made a lot of money, finally. Because he kind of never really was. Um, uh, other than, I guess, Godfather 1. And, but yeah. something happens to him in that movie where he's not really in Godfather 2. <laughs> um, I mean, he is a little bit. But, you know, it's a flashback. So right, anyway... Right. Um, I just think it's a funny movie. It's got Zoe Deschanel in it, Ed Asner, Santa Claus. Um, I think Mary Steenburgen is the is Walter's wife. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, it's yeah, lots lots of funny lines again in it, and kind of Will Ferrell, uh, probably almost at his funniest as far as I'm concerned. I know it's early Will Ferrell, but um, and it's weird. It was 2003. I mean, it's been almost 20 years since that. Yeah. Out. Yeah, it has been a while. But and I mean, if if we're if we're thinking of it in that way, I mean, wouldn't you have to say that this was one of the movies that really made Will Ferrell a movie star? Oh yeah. I mean, I, would I, say, I don't I mean, know. He, has he was bunch, in other movies. He was in other first, movies that but, did well, but this one I I remember it. It seems like it was about 180 million dollars in the US. It was one of the biggest movies of that year. And and it was rare for a Christmas movie, too. To, like a movie about mm. Christmas to really make that kind of money. Um, but I'm trying to think of his other hits like around that same time. Anchorman came out right after that, but it made like less than half the money. Um, that's also kind of become a cult classic, though. Old yeah. School would have been around that time. That was a minor hit. Um, but see, but see, those movies are, they're very, they're not niche or yeah. niche. It's, yeah. it's like, they're, but they're definitely for adults. Mm -hmm. They're definitely not have have the wide like Elf has a broad broad appeal. Yeah, I mean i I think that you you kind of you know touched on this earlier. Like Christmas Vacation and Elf can kind of go hand in hand in that they are more contemporary 
beloved Christmas movies, mm-hmm. but Christmas Vacation is the one that the adults will enjoy, and Elf is the one that you show the whole family. Right. You know, both very quotable, both mm-hmm. very memorable, both a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, but Elf is the one that just like anybody can watch that movie. Yeah. And and enjoy it and and have a good time yeah so it's a great great rewatchable we do watch it every year and and to be honest it wasn't one i really considered a classic until i got married and my wife loved it and then when we started watching it every year i still found it was it still had the same like magic for me every year i never got tired of it so it's kind of become a nostalgic tradition that we we watch every year so okay all right so this is getting harder because now i have I still have plenty on my list, but deciding which one to go with first is getting much more difficult. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, it's uh, one of those movies. I remember just falling in love with this when I saw it at the Villa Theater when it first came out, opening weekend, 1993, I think, and. You know, it's definitely kind of this odd crossover because the premise is that all the people who live in Halloween Town, or led by Jack Skellington, decide to uh, appropriate Christmas and take it over. And so it's this weird mashup of kind of the macabre of Halloween, interpreting. You know, it's it's produced. It's not. It wasn't directed by. Um, uh, the one guy. <laughs> it was not Tim Burton directed. It's not Tim Burton. It Tim yeah. Burton so produced. Yes. Yeah. So Tim Burton produced it. He did and not direct it, Henry even though people Stella. kind of think of it as his. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Danny Elfman does the music, but then also sings. I think he. he I think he sings all of the Jack Skeleton Skellington uh, parts. Oh, I didn't um, realize that. Okay. But it's it's stop motion animation. Um, I am. I I definitely appreciate animation i'm not nearly as big a fan as a lot of other people but stop motion just gets me and this is such a fun fun example of stop motion animation and so uh you know and and even yeah i mean in spite of what i said about musicals earlier this one's fun and it's a musical it's definitely you know it's it's just so odd and weird and creative and you can just i i love all the different animated characters in this movie you know the jack skellington's really cool but then you've got like the mayor who's two-faced and you know he swings his body around depending Uh on what what mood he's in to speak with either like a a a normal happy face or he's if he's stressed out he flips it around and he's got this stressed out face and you know just just lots of i can't remember the name of the scientist but there's the scientist guy who's in like a little motorized wheelchair who can open his skull up and scratch his brain i mean it's just it's just fun it's just a fun fun off the wall that's you know when i when i talk about violent night wishing that it would just go all out i feel like nightmare before christmas goes all out Mm -hmm. and and that's you know that's the kind of thing i really appreciate so nightmare before christmas my number three and i'm guessing that it wasn't even close to your number three it actually wasn't on my list so apparently it's not one of my top 12 um, I, I had this weird, for some reason, even though I was watching a lot of movies in 1993, 94, I did not see it until a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago. I don't know how I missed it. And I didn't really like it the first time. I remember being really annoyed by the songs sung <laughs> by these people that I felt like they were singing out of tune. And 
this is Halloween, this is Halloween. And, I, and then, like, <laughs> and then the more I watched it, and my kids loved it. They liked it. I was like, okay. Like, they, they loved it. Even my son even learned to plink out one of the songs on the piano, like, like um, one of the slower songs that Jack, Skell- Jack Skellington sings when he's, like, standing on the, you know, with the moon in the background. Right. But, and then I, I grew to like it more, and it, it kind of grew on me. Um, and so your so, children softened your Grinch heart. Somehow they softened my Grinch heart, which was three sizes too small. <laughs> there um, you go. And I, I, I think it's good. It's, it's a really creative venture. Uh, you just don't see a lot of movies like that. And sort of the combination of the two holidays, the melding of them, and then that really weird Oogie Boogie character like made out of bugs. Um, it was like a New Orleans... I, I mean, the way that he sings is different than any of the other songs in the movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty weird. Probably just the right amount of weird for, Uh you know, a Tim Burton produced nightmare or a Halloween slash Christmas movie. Cause I, I don't really know. I thought it was like kind of a Halloween movie at first, but then I kind of think, yeah, it's, you could count it as both, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the main message of the film is that Thanksgiving doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. As long as, as long as you understand that, right. that, that's really, you know, what we're supposed to, whether, whether you call it a Halloween movie, whether you call it a Christmas yeah. movie, just as long as we don't spend any additional time on Thanksgiving, that's what's important. Is there, a, is there even a Thanksgiving town? Do you remember? Isn't that one yes? Of the towns? Because because when they first so so when they decide to do this little appropriation thing, mm-hmm. he sends a couple of his minions to go kidnap Santa Claus. But first, they wind up. Oh, that's right. It's not okay. So there is a Thanksgiving town, but they wind up kidnapping the Easter Bunny by accident, and bring him back. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So so the answer to your question is yes, but not for the reason I thought. Yeah. Because I I just I know that when they swing around because. Like the doorways to all of these magic worlds are through these big trees in a forest. There's this gathering of trees, and each one has some kind of an iconic emblem painted on it. And there is one that has a turkey. So there is a Thanksgiving town, mm-hmm. um, okay. presumably by you know with pilgrims living there or something. So okay, all right. Well, so last time we gave you a pass on uh, the twat the. Uh, poltergeist right for the spielberg draft yeah. so i'm gonna ask yeah. for a pass on this one because it's not technically a movie it's it's not technically a movie well it's a it's a tv special they call it a tv ah. special and it came out ah. in 1966 i think i know where you're going it's how the grinch yeah dr seuss's how the grinch stole christmas oh that's not where i thought you were going yeah and um it's i it like this is the cartoon, the animated version of the of the nineteen fifty seven book by Dr. Seuss, that's just full of the most clever rhymes, as good as any of his books, I think. And of course, you know, makes up a lot of words like "who hash" and "roast beast," and um, and it's about the residents of Whoville and how there's a Grinch who lives in the the mountains above them and um, and has this plan because he hates the mirth and joy of the Whoville residents that he's going to steal Christmas from them. And of course, you find out that. Christmas doesn't come in boxes and bags and there's a really nice quote from the from the book that we once put on our chalkboard that we we used to change our chalkboard with different messages especially around Christmas and there's a there's a cool one from the book about how you know Christmas doesn't come from boxes or bags or come from a store maybe Christmas he thought means something more it's something like that um (laughs) 
and uh, yeah, so it's another great message movie um, uh, in this, you know, kind of told through the eyes of this character that Dr. Seuss completely made up, but just sort of represents sort of the negative attitudes that some people have toward Christmas, the, the Scrooge-like attitude, you know, of I, I don't like the laughter and the joy and you know, I, I'm going to put a stop to it. And, uh, and of course he's a Grinch, which is a, some sort of weird non-existent green creature that, um, has a dog. <laughs> right. I just love how he has a dog named Max. Um, and, uh, just r great animated movie. Uh, well, TV special, whatever you want to call it. Um, no, and songs I, too. I'm totally good with that one. Okay. I, I totally endorse that choice. Um, Funny enough, it's not the one I thought you were going to go to for a second because there's another pretty popular yeah. uh, TV special mm -hmm. from, I think, probably the same era. I, yeah. I don't know exactly what year it came out, but uh, but I don't think I'm going to pick it myself. So if you want okay. to go for a second one, feel um, free. Yeah, um, I know what you're talking about, but I don't have that one on my list. So. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm having a tough time again, partially because you haven't chosen some of the ones I thought you might choose. Okay. So... Okay, so if 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 bending the rules is on the table, <laughs> I'm gonna take Die Hard. Oh, good. Go ahead. Okay. I thought I thought when you when you first said I wanted that you wanted to kind of bend the rules, I thought okay, he's taking Die Hard, and I should have taken it instead of Nightmare Before Christmas. But you went a you you went like a sincere Christmas direction. Mm -hmm. So so I instead will take the over the top action movie. The star-making vehicle for Bruce Willis that inspired so many knockoffs over the years and just happens to be set at a Christmas party and therefore can be shoehorned into the Christmas movie genre just barely, just barely. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So, so John McClane, down-and-out police officer, separated, yeah. estranged from his wife. Flies out to the coast to uh, spend some time with with her and see how many kids at that point. I think he's got a kid or two at that point. They're not in the kid. movie. They're not in the yeah. movie. He's yeah. got a daughter, Lucy. Yeah. And he was. Yeah, and he's so, dating. He's married. Well, he's estranged, but he's married to the grandma from Parenthood. I don't know if you. Oh, is that I who she is? The, the TV. Bonnie, you know, I know TV Bonnie series? Bedelia. Yeah, Bonnie Bedelia is the is the actress. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so he flies out, and and of course the 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 company party gets I invaded yeah. by by terrorists slash robbers led by Alan Rickman, which I believe is his first big role. Oh. I think this was like his debut. In fact, yeah, because I've seen a, a little making of oh, yeah. on on Die Hard and. And he had, he had just been a stage actor previously, and so he was totally unknown. Yeah. Bruce Willis was a big, big risk because he had just been in Moonlighting, which is such a good role. You've never mm -hmm. seen Moonlighting. I remember that's, that. That's the, oh, my goodness. With Sybil Shepard. Yeah, with Sybil yeah. Shepard. Um, and so so it's it's Bruce Willis versus Alan Rickman. Uh, Bruce Willis is fighting off the terrorists one by one. And then there's a big, you know, big finale on the roof and just uh, – I, like I say, I mean, other than just being a really good action movie, it really just created a template for so many movies in the future, even up to this month's Violent Night, right? Mm -hmm. Just pitting pitting an underdog against, you know, tra trapping an underdog in a, you know, comparatively close quarters location 
and you know fighting having to fight off a group of bad guys is really just yeah. the formula but uh, yeah so you know feel free to debate whether that's when that one counts <laughs> as a christmas movie or not but uh that's that's my pick okay i don't mind since i i don't have that on my list but it's uh i it reminds me we should we should do an action movie draft sometime or even like oh, an action sure. hall of fame or a top 10 or something because yeah that should probably go on on that list um so okay i am gonna go with probably a little more conventional choice it's not one i mean we're getting lower on the list and uh-huh. and, and i don't know if i would actually pick this one as high but based on some of the things you pick since i still think a couple of my picks will be there i'm gonna go with home Alone. i know i'm okay um, okay and this is a 1990 movie that I just watched last week, actually. Um, well, not not for the first time, but we, you know, we it's one that we watch every probably every couple of years. And um, yeah, you talked about it, Kevin McAllister. It, this the working title of this could have been Violent Night. Um, <laughs> he has to defend his home from uh, from you know from these two robbers, one of whom was pretending to be a cop who's sort of casing the neighborhood to find out where all the good stuff is. And who's going to be gone at what times? And it's funny, like the whole like what sets this plot in motion that this kid is home alone and nobody can protect him and his family can't get to him. I mean, a lot of crap has to go wrong for it to happen that way. Because in this day and age, where everybody's got cell phones and it just wouldn't happen the same way, right? Right. Um, and even the way that the cops sort of treat him and sort of transfer him back and forth between the police and family services and. She just, you know, and the first time the cop goes over to the house and knocks on the door and gives up after 20 seconds, you know, it's like something <laughs> would have happened different. She would have escalated it better. And, you know, they would have like, they would have figured it out. Like, no, literally my 10 year old son is home alone. I promise you, you need to go, you need to break into the house and find him, you know. But anyway, it's funny. Um, it is, it is surprisingly violent for a PG movie. I mean, some of the stuff that happens to to uh, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci looks really painful, and oh yeah, uh, it looks like you know one of them gets impaled on a nail. You know, he he pierces. I was gonna, that's what I was thinking of. That's the first one I was thinking of was yeah. this on the stairs. Oh. oh my gosh! And then Joe Pesci gets his head burned for like ten <laughs> seconds, and he doesn't move his head because it's a comedy, right? If it were a drama, <laughs> he would instantly move his head. Um, so lots of stuff happens to these guys that is well-deserved. And so, of course, we cheer it on. But it's, you know, it's different when you see, like, Emily Blunt step on a nail in a quiet place. And you're just completely cringing oh, and wow. worried that she's going to make noise. And in this one, you're, like, cringing. But you're like, oh, he kind of deserves it. So, <laughs> and, and then there's a subplot that's a very sweet subplot between uh, Kevin McAllister and the old man next door who a lot of nasty rumors are going around about him. So he's kind of a loner, yeah. isolated yeah. man who supposedly murdered his whole family, but really he's just estranged from his son. And mm-hmm. Kevin gives him some great advice, you know, the very wise advice for a, for a 10-year-old, for however old he is, nine or whatever. And um, and it ends up with a good, you know, that's there's a good conclusion to that. Um, anyway, lot, and again, there's a lot of lines you kind of remember, mostly things that, the other family members say to Kevin or uh, some of the things between him and Joe Pesci. Um, and uh, it's a John Hughes movie too. So this isn't sort of a normal yeah. 
you know, it's, it felt like a lot of Hughes movies were like teen teen angst movies, eighties teen angst right. movies, and this is right kind of a different, uh, you know, a little detour for him in some ways. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a good movie. You know, like not one of obviously one of my top two or three, but you know, we're getting down. Me the too. List. Me too. No, I I absolutely. I think if we were doing like ten each. And you hadn't chosen this one, I probably would get to it. Yeah. Um, it's not one of my. I still. I still have two or three that I would put ahead of this one. I. I would have chosen Elf. I would have chosen It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Home Alone is not one that I would have had this high. Yeah. Um, but it's still a really good movie. I mean, it's. I remember. I remember studying it in my screenwriting class. Oh. As a as a perfect example of the three act structure. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, no, good, good choice. Yeah, definitely. I like Catherine you, you O'Hara did. in it too. Oh and, yeah, and John yeah. Candy as a great, and John Candy. Apparently, he yeah. only got paid like a few hundred dollars for that role. Or so there's some that sounds right. That, he that didn't sounds make very right. Much money for his role as the uh, Polka King of Kenosha, yeah. Wisconsin, or whatever. Right, right. Uh-huh. Okay, so man, so I'm I'm starting to question my decision. <laughs> to do six each because I do actually have a few more that I would like to add, but we're also almost at a minute and 10 or an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> and so, you know, we could just quickly name, name them. I mean, I know How it's about, like under pressure, but you could, cause we really, have okay. Like so we'll, more. so we'll do our six. Okay. We don't, and then, and then we'll, we'll throw out some, some honorable mentions at the end. Okay. So, so yeah, we could rush, we could kind of rush through them. Yeah. And okay. So I'm going to go, I, this one is probably honestly my favorite Christmas movie and will continue to be my favorite Christmas movie, but it is a lot more obscure and I really didn't think that it was one that would come up on your list. I could be wrong. Um, the, and here I, here I am being a hypocrite again because I'm picking another musical. Uh, this is the 1970 version of Scrooge starring mm-hmm. Albert Finney. Um, this is a movie that for decades my family has watched on Christmas Eve as a, as a tradition. Um, it's the Christmas Carol story. You know, Albert Finney is, is Ebenezer Scrooge. Alec Guinness is the all-time greatest version of Marley you will ever see. Um, you've got, uh, you know, lots of other kind of classic British actors and stuff. Um, not classic in that they're all in Harry Potter. I don't think any of the Harry Potter people are in there. Um, but I, in, in the way that you describe kind of like your emotional reaction to it's a wonderful life, it's kind of my, like as many times as I have seen Scrooge, it never fails to get to me. Like it, it is such an uplifting movie and, and has such a, such a real redemptive story that, that I think really captures kind of the essence of, of Christmas and what Christmas celebrates, um, that, uh, Yeah. I mean, if we were just going by pure favorites, I would have chosen it number one. Okay. But I had to make sure that I got yeah. I mean, Christmas you knew, vacation, right? That was smart. You <laughs> knew I wouldn't. I was. I wasn't going to pick that one. Yeah, that's not on my list. So that makes sense. I remember, and you talked about that one last year in your top three, in your three Did Christmas I? movie choices. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, have you seen it? I haven't. No, I. I need to. I do need to see that because that's one. That I, I would. Seen. I would definitely recommend it. Okay. It it's a it's a special movie and and I don't know I mean if you I guess if you don't have the same background watching it as a kid and it's it's not a movie that's good as a kid but bad as an adult but 
a lot of what I appreciate the movie is is tied into kind of the the nostalgia, but it's still a genuinely good movie too. So okay, so Scrooge, Scrooge, not Scrooged with a D, but Scrooge. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Okay. So my choice, you may be surprised to learn, but maybe not after what I said an hour ago, is Spirited. Um, really? That's my next choice, yeah. I, wow. I did like it that much. And I, like I said, I've already seen it one and a half times. I'm sure I'll watch it again in the next week or two. Um, if Even if just for a couple of the songs. Um, it's funny. I'm, sh- I'm sure there were even some jokes I missed, too. With how how fast some of it is, um, but uh, yeah, I talked about it a lot, you know. So I'll just leave it at that. That's that's my. So we're at number ten. Well, that's my fifth choice, but we're at yeah, that's your fifth 10 choice overall. So we have two. Okay. Left. All right. So so if this is if this is my last pick for the official list before we start throwing out, um, there's I, I I don't know, I might have to live this one down a little bit. Okay. I have always had a soft spot in my heart for the movie Serendipity, believe it or not. Okay. Um, this was this is about 20 years old now. It's a romantic comedy with John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. And they, they have the meet-cute at the beginning of the movie while they are Christmas shopping for their significant others because Cusack has a girlfriend and Beckinsale has a boyfriend. And they wind up going out to, you know, get, uh, you know, get hot chocolate together or coffee or whatever and then they go ice skating and they basically fall in love but decide that it's not the right time and so they separate and then years later you know fate brings them back together and i don't think that they that like the bulk of the movie takes place during christmas but the opening scene does and the closing scene is also at christmas and so combined with the fact that i it came out and i saw it in december of 2001 um, I've always thought of that one as a Christmas movie. And so I guess if I am, you know, be- betraying the same guy who picked Die Hard is now picking <laughs> a romantic comedy from 2001 that a lot of people don't really remember. And to be honest, has has plenty of contrivances. It's It's not what I would say. In fact, one of the things I like the best about the movie is that, well... I mean, it's not, so you know how, I don't know if there's a tactful way to put this, you know how in 500 Days of Summer, it was a unique romantic comedy because, spoiler alert, the two of the, the two main characters don't get together. You know that? You know what I'm I, talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love yeah. that movie. So, and they, so, but, but it's not really a spoiler. They kind of tell you at the beginning of the movie. I guess narrator. that's true. That's yeah. true. So I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. So so with Serendipity, it turns out to be much more of a traditional romantic comedy, which I guess is kind of a spoiler alert. Mm, but okay. there are elements in there that betray some deeper meanings that I'm not even sure that they intend. And oh. if we weren't already at an hour and 15 minutes, I might go into them. Okay. But I already feel vulnerable enough by putting Serendipity on my <laughs> all-time Christmas list. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay, sounds and, good. Uh, and there's my number six choice. How about you? I Well, you de- I definitely have a much more vanilla list than you, more conventional, because mine is White Christmas from 1954. Okay. I feel like, you know, I've already chosen a musical. Oh, well, whatever. And my first choice was also a very, very old movie. Um, only a few years before White Christmas. Uh, so 
Yeah, I'm going to go with that one. Um, it's one that I didn't discover until I saw it actually in a, in a singles ward when I lived in Provo. We watched it at a bishopric member's house. and we, we, So I saw it in the early 2000s and was kind of surprised by it. I, did, I had no expectations at all of it. I, I didn't care to watch it. I didn't ever think about that movie. And so it was kind of pleasantly better than I thought. And I've since seen it three or four times. Um, so some good songs that, you know, a smooth voice of Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. And of course, this movie is mentioned in A Christmas Vacation right. um, during uh, one Chevy Chase's uh, profanity-laden tirade against oh, Christmas that's right. when he needs the Tylenol <laughs> at the end. <laughs> and uh, it's really good. So, yeah, because so many of these movies that we've mentioned are mentioned in other movies that we've talked about. But yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. I mean, it's kind of a predictable, sort of farcical. It's got its sort of madcap, like slapstick elements, and then the romantic uh, misunderstanding, you know, like everyone knows, what everybody except for the two characters on the screen who need to know what's really going on, we all know. So, you know, it's a matter of just getting to the end. How are we going to get there? Um, you know, so it's, it's a good one. Rosemary nice. Clooney, uh, who I believe is George Clooney's aunt, is one of the main oh, okay. characters in it. And Interesting. Yeah. yeah so. Okay. All right. Well, that one is one I have not actually seen. So, so that because oh, okay. I, I was aware of that one, but also didn't feel like I could take it because I haven't seen it. Um, I did have a few. I guess we could call them honorable mentions, or maybe these are yeah. the free agents that we're going to sign because they were un, they went undrafted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so if by any chance you had taken Die Hard, I was going to have Gremlins as my backup, as kind of the oh, okay. the <laughs> off, you know the the offbeat is it technically a Christmas movie or not type of movie, um, if only because it opens with one of my all-time favorite Christmas songs on the soundtrack. It's the Christmas Baby, Please Come Home by Darlene Love. Mm-hmm. Um, such a fantastic song. But it is pretty much all set over Christmas, the Christmas holidays. It's a pretty big big uh, oh. subplot, even though we tend to focus more on the, uh, the Gremlins and Gizmo and the, the Three Rules and all that. But So I had Gremlins on there. And then I was actually going back and forth. If I, wa- if I was going to have kind of a romantic comedy on there, um, it was between Serendipity and While You Were Sleeping, which is oh. is more of a true, like that one actually does take place over the ho- course of the holidays, even though I don't think it came out during the holidays. I want to say that that was a summer movie in like 1993. Um, okay. But that's a was like one of Sandra Bullock's first big movies. Um, I think it was after Speed. So I think it was after she'd already kind of, you know, become, you know, a big name in that sense. This was kind of her starring first big starring role and uh you know so she she winds up saving a guy who gets pushed onto the l train tracks in chicago There's another reason i love the movies because it all takes place in chicago um and uh she winds up while while the guy's in a coma she there's this case of mistaken identity and everybody thinks that she's actually his fiance and that's kind of how but then you know he's in a coma and, and in the process she meets his brother who's mm-hmm. not in a coma and is available to fall in love with. So, okay, I like that movie. Yeah. yeah, I um, that came out. I just looked it up. It was April of ninety five, 
And I, 95, here's, really? Here's I why I was that late. Yeah, I, I was 17. Here's why I remember that movie. I really like it. It's one of my favorite romantic comedies. It's actually the first time I remember really liking a romantic comedy. Because, you okay. know, a teenage boy, it's like, you're too cool for that. It's not your kind right. of movie. And I saw right. in the theater. I think we saw it with my whole family in the theater and just, like, laughed and uh, enjoyed the story. And, you know, and, and you, yeah, like you say, I think it was Peter Gallagher who was asleep, who was in a coma. Or yeah, so he's, so he's the guy who's in the, the coma. Bill Pullman is, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. jokes that he's attracted to, like, chubby blondes. And I, I remember some of the lines in that movie. And that I, I don't, funny thing is, I don't think I've seen it since. So, I mean, oh, really? that's, that's a long time ago. That was 27 years ago or something. So, so if I say he's leaning, you'll understand what I say? Yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So what uh, what what other ones did you have that uh, Okay. I had a few. So I think you list your honorable mentions were Gremlins while you were sleeping. I mean, mine, I, I have a few animated movies that I just, I, you know, there, some of them are like TV specials or not like full feature movies. So, and I already picked uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas. So the Charlie Brown Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman. Those are all fun, interesting. A couple of them are stop motion style mm-hmm. animated movies. Um, and then one that I chose last year as my oddball pick, but just didn't make the cut for my top six for my best Christmas movies is One Magic Christmas. That weird uh, Disney movie from 1985 with the Guardian Angel um, and... It's got Mary Steenburgen. Do you remember when we, uh, when I talked about this? Man, I'm trying know, to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we each picked kind of an oddball. I think that's when you might've picked Krampus maybe. Um, okay. And, uh, which was also on my list, but you know, yeah. Yeah. And so not high enough. Yeah. And then I guess the final one would be love. Actually it's, you know, I, I haven't seen the real version. I've seen the edited version of it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. I mean, it's kind of a ens- uh, what do you call it? like an ensemble movie of different episodes, kind of different unrelated stories that are happening. They're all really about love, but it's a you know it's at Christmas time and lots of great great actors in that one. But nice. it's, yeah, didn't make my cut. Okay, so I just I just realized something because I've been I've been tracking and like color coding our lists okay. as we've been doing this on a little word document and i just realized that my six picks were literally the first six that i came up with when oh, i made my list nice so so not only did i get everything on my list but they were the top six movies on my list which i did not expect yeah i well and i i thought you know when i looked again at my my list i knew i had some crossover with yours like or what I mean is some of the movies I wanted, you picked. Yeah. And, but really, it was only those first two that you picked that were on my list. Okay. Everything else wasn't. So Christmas Story and Christmas Vacation, they're both definitely in my top four. Yeah. Even top yeah. three. So you you really got two of my top three. But then from then on, they were all movies that were were available on my list. So Yeah. yeah. Well, you picked three that I didn't have on my list at all. Yeah. Um, so Interesting. That's cool. not that's not how I expected this to play out, but uh, this is, I don't know. I think we got some good stuff, and and since we can combine our efforts and give our listeners twelve days of Christmas, I'd say they're a pretty good twelve days. I I do think, like as I look at the difference between our lists, I think it's a good thing that I have your list to combine with, uh-huh. because 
when I'm giving my my listeners Die Hard and Serendipity <laughs> and even Nightmare Before Christmas, it's a pretty darn good thing that you have It's a Wonderful Life and Home Alone. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. To, well, and White I Christmas said, to compensate. Mine is more conventional. Mine is a little bit more classic, probably more that traditional you could say so yeah i other than maybe spirited which is brand new mine yeah. are all you know more I we'll see we'll see how it. you feel about that one in a year yeah i mean I, I, I don't i don't think you're gonna flip on it but like, i could be wrong i mean maybe i i maybe i've overreacted and i don't <laughs> like it as much but i kind of think i'm i wouldn't be surprised if it's just one that we add to the rotation and i still like it um nice yeah we'll see cool okay well I think it's time to tie this thing up. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Mark, thank you for participating with your thoughts and input as always. My pleasure. Um, as a little teaser, I know, so what's today? Today is the 7th. So this will be coming out about the 9th maybe. So yeah, our next episode is going to review Avatar. So I know that's a big deal for some people. Um, yeah. Avatar so, the way of water. The way of water. Yes. Because uh, it comes out on the 16th. Um, and I, I saw it yesterday. And that's all I should say. Because I think, I think that we are free to post on social media about it, but not to do like official reviews. So I will just say that I have seen it. And we will talk about that in the next episode. Um, as well as other good stuff. If you have any ideas or recommendations, send them our way. Give us a comment. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a positive rating. And uh, have a great uh, holiday season. Take care.